Okay, it's time for us to get started. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to be with us tonight. We thank you for your hand upon us. Help us, Lord, to be able to share with your people things that we need to know, that we can impart the truth of the Word of God. Father, that we can all be up and about our Father's business. And Lord, we thank you for this time tonight. We ask you to be with each one, those that watch online. Lord, that your hand be upon them as well. Now, Father, we thank you again for all your grace, your love, and all your wonderful blessings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, first thing that we need to do is everybody take your cell phone, turn the ringer off, because we had some interruption with that and last week, and mine was one of them. <laughs> uh, so we don't want to do that tonight. Uh, we, may, we may extend this on a week or two longer than what we had planned. Uh, there's, uh, there's seven of these gifts we've talked about only two of them so far. Tonight is going to be the third one. Uh, and there's four left. And we've only got, after tonight, two more Wednesday nights, so we may go on. But then I said there's two left. Actually, I found out this evening late that there's another one that I've got to figure out how to get incorporated in this because uh, Brad asked me what, you know, I told him that I was going to be uh, talking about me tonight and because uh, teacher motivation gifts, and he asked me, when was I going to talk about his? And I said, what's that? And he said, unmotivated. <laughs> we know Brad's not unmotivated. He's, he's hanging right in there. He's doing good, and we appreciate it. Appreciate all of you. Romans chapter 12, we're going to read this scripture again. We're going to go down to verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Regardless of who you are or what your gift is, it's no more important than anyone else's. That would be like the eyes saying, I'm more important and don't need the mouth. Well, if you ain't got a mouth, that's why you can't eat and you ain't got no need for eyes then, have you? So... Uh, God has dealt to every man. Uh, I like the way the, the old King James says it, the measure of faith. And the measure of faith that we have is the same measure. There's not one person that at salvation you get a bigger dose of faith than anyone else does. Uh, it's a faith. You're, you have faith. You're given faith at that point in time so you can believe the Word of God, Jesus, that Jesus uh, died for your sins, that He rose, and that He lives for you, and that He'll forgive you your sins. You, you get faith for that. That faith comes at that time. But faith that we get then, we have to develop it. We have to let it grow. And we know then from Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And in the Greek language there, that word hearing gives the thought of hearing and 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 hearing. There's no end to that hearing. Folks, I've been doing this this coming uh, Saturday night. It'll be 54 years ago I preached my first message. And I'm still hearing. I've not quit hearing because I've never found a time in all these years that it's okay for my faith to sit still and not do nothing, not to grow, not to develop. 
because any time that I've allowed that to happen, it seems like things really go bad in my life. And I don't like, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I don't like those bad things going wrong in my life. Now, that don't mean I never have any problems. I have them all the time. But, but whenever I'm not operating in faith, that means that I'm to the point to where that I'm not handling those problems like I need to. <laughs> Let me read on. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy. The poor which is evil cling to that which is good. Uh, we talk about how these gifts have got to be uh, motivated and guided by love. That's, that's a very important thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. And he sets them in order in the church, the different gifts that there is there. And he comes down in the last verse of chapter 14, and he says to seek to prophesy, but don't forbid to speak in tongues. But then he makes this statement, but I show you a more excellent way. And you've got to understand that the New Testament was not written in chapter and verse. That's something that came in later. But it goes right on in. If you forget about that chapter 13 heading there, it goes right on in to talk about love. And Paul said, of all these gifts, love is the best thing there is. So everything has to be motivated and guided and pushed by love. Now, the first week we talked about prophecy, uh, how that that's discerning, that's seeing. And we talked about then how that prophecy, uh, the motivational gift of prophecy, since we're all one body, these are the eyes of the, of the body. And they're able to see things and discern things that the rest of us are not. Only 5% of the body of Christ has this gift. And then last week we talked about serving or ministry, which is serving the gift of helps, the ministry of helps. And if the eyes, if the prophecy is the eyes, then serving is the hands. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the mind of the body as we talk about teaching. The gift of teaching, the motivational gift of teaching, is a gift uh, for imparting truth and leading people to the truth. Its motivation is to search out and validate truth, which has been declared by, by clarifying that truth. Uh, people with the teaching motivation are interested in you learning something. Many times over the years, and you that have been here in the length of time, You've heard me say this time and again. Did you get anything out of this today? And say, I'm not just looking for somebody to say, yeah, so I can be puffed up. But one thing, and we'll see this, is that a teacher wants people to learn something and get something out of their teaching. And it's important for that. Now, that being said, let me tell you this. I believe this teaching motivation filters over into other areas of life. And I've seen it in, in, on, in a job place to where I would work and they would give me a helper and I would 
train that heifer just like I'm teaching a lesson in church. And, you know, step by step by step by step. And even to the point sometimes that they would get aggravated at me, but I told them, look, here's where it is. I, I'll work, you watch, I'll tell you. And then we'll come to the point to where I'll work and you'll work with me and I'll tell you. And then we'll come to the point to where you work and I'll watch and I'll tell you. And, uh, I mean, how, how else can somebody learn? And it's important that people learn. And if they don't learn, what, what good have I done? You, you see what I'm saying? And because I know that I don't have just such a beautiful voice that you love that. Usually, a teacher-motivated person is, is a very, very boring person to listen to. And I try not to be that way, even though I know I have been sometimes by repetition. But don't you learn by repetition? I mean, if you can recall the first grade, how many times that teacher right on the board, 2 plus 2 equals 4, 2 plus 2 equals 4. The more you come back in, teacher says, what's 2 plus 2? Uh, teachers love to study, and that's I, they have, and I still study. I enjoy studying the Word of God. Uh, I enjoy studying other things that I'm involved in. You know, lately I've been, this year I've been in doing raised bed gardening. I love to study raised bed gardening. And uh, I love to fish. I love to study fishing. But more than anything else, I love to study the Word of God. Uh, teachers are driven to be achievers, and they have to do well. One thing that I've never been able to cope with very well is failure. Teachers are that way. They can't stand failure. I was going to say something while ago, and I got ahead of myself. I believe this filters over in other areas of life. I believe it filters over into the classroom and school. There's teachers that have the motivational gift of teaching. And they're the ones that your children will learn from because they will take the time to put the effort into it. And, and y'all uh, know those that were that way in school. It just stood out to you. And the reason was is because they taught you things, that they, and the way they taught it, they built on it and to where you could learn. And, and, and if you did, wasn't getting it, they helped you understand that. And then there's people over there that's just got a job. One thing about a teacher, they, sometimes it may be boring, but they make excellent writers. Now, this part, now let me, let me say this about all these motivational gifts. Just because you wake up today and realize you've got a motivational gift, you're not going to do all of this stuff. You have to grow in that motivational gift. Learn, apply yourself, study, listen. You grow in that. And I've, I've had to grow in, in this teaching gift that, that God gave me. I've, I've had to learn how to do it. And that, and, but it's been easier to learn to do that than anything else, okay? You think as a pastor I ought to have that administrative gift. And that's one thing that's just really hard. But, you know, there's, they are good authors. There's, there's a couple of, I wrote down here, Jack Hayford is probably one of the most knowledgeable men that I have ever listened to. And it is a chore to listen to him. But, man, I can take his books and read them and just devour them like everything because he's a tremendous writer. Pat Robertson, Sim Hunter Club, same way. I, I, I go to sleep listening to Pat Robertson very much. 
But you read his books, and it's just, I mean, everything just jumps. It just jumps, and it's good. Uh, teachers help us keep informed in the church and the body of Christ. They believe that you have to know things to survive, and that's true. Ignorance, don't get it. How many times do we say, well, I, I didn't know. You know, young people use that a lot. I, I, well, I didn't know. Well, you know now, okay? I've heard people say, well, I've done everything I know to do, and I've said this time and time again, well, learn some more. That's the teacher coming out at me. Learn some more. Then you'll know some more to do. Right? I hope I ain't hurt nobody's feelings. You motivate a, a teacher by using what they have learned and taught you. And that, that's something that I, I do. I see people, I hear them talk, and things that we've taught in church, and see their lives progressing in that way. And that fuels my fire, so to speak. The main characteristics of a teacher-motivated person, they're big on word studies. I love to study the Greek and the Hebrew. Matter of fact, right now, one of the books I'm reading for the third time, I guess it is, is called Buried Treasures, and it's by a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. He's not a Christian. He's a Jew, but a good man. I, I really enjoy stuff. And he deals a lot with the, uh, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And I'm reading one right now where he takes words and just, I, and I thought, man, th how can you get that much out of a word, you know? But he does. They love to research. That's the reason I've got a program, Bible program on my computer that's got about 29 Bible translations and I don't know how many commentaries and a library of about five or 600 books because I love to research. And they, they present truth in systematic sequences. One, two, three, A, B, C. One, A, B, C. One, two, three. You, you see what I'm saying? They avoid illustration from non-biblical sources. Now, so I use myself a good bit, but most of my illustrations come from the Bible. I love to use Bible characters to illustrate things with. And they're motivated to do it right. And this is an area that I'm still learning in also. Here's one that my wife will say amen to. A teacher-motivated person can't stand to be late. <laughs> they, they, they are on time and expect others to be on time. That's the reason I said, remember Sunday, I said the main thing that we're concerned with is around here is starting time. And that's the way we've been for years. I want, if we say church is going to start at 10 o'clock, I don't want to wait till 10 after 10 to start church, even though we've had to do that a few times. But if it starts at 10, 10 o'clock comes, we start church. Uh, but I used, when we lived in North Carolina and pastored over there, we lived at one point in time seven miles from the church. We had one automobile. And uh, my wife had uh, three children. Had Matt, a little bit bigger, but had Mark and Becky that was nearly like twins. Because there was 15 months difference in their age. And I would get so wired up on Sunday morning. Because the best that we could do, we hardly ever got to church at 10 o'clock. And it would just irritate me. And one Sunday morning, I said to my sweet wife, I don't know why you can't get these children ready so we can get to church on time. She gave me a classic response. 
she said, I could if you would help me. We, I got to tell this. This is not about teaching. But we, we try to read through the Bible, and we're reading, we read in the mornings, and the other day we was reading in Proverbs, and it said it's better to live in the desert than, you know, live in the desert in a tent, I believe it said, than in a house with a brawling woman. And so I told her, I said, from now on when you start fussing me, I'm getting me a bottle of water and leaving. She said, well, if it works for a man, it'll work for a woman. So we've been kidding each other. We'll sort of act like we're fussing and say, you want a bottle of water? <laughs> All right. Here's another one I'm working on. They're detailed and organized. I'm better on the detail than I am to organize, okay? I'm still working on that. If you come into my room where all my stuff is, you'd see what's on my desk and how it's straight, straightened out there. But the thing about it is I know most of what's on my desk. Now, a teacher, there's weaknesses of a teacher-motivated person. If you have this, if you scored the teacher, then here's some weaknesses that, that you will encounter that you need to work on. Uh, they can't stand ignorance and will tend to look down on less knowledgeable people. Now, I got out of that one a long time ago. Another thing that, that I didn't get put down here, a weakness of a teacher-motivated person, is that they are very, uh, let's see, have very deep convictions about things. And they want to tend to teach their convictions over the Word of God. Now, a lot of this stuff I'm getting, I'm getting from a, a lady Bible teacher, Charles Stanley also. I got a good bit of this information from him and others. But this lady Bible teacher, Marilyn Hickey, now you may have heard of her. She's another one of those that's difficult to listen to, but she writes good books. But I heard her say several years ago that as when she started out teaching, that she would teach her convictions, boy, just teach her convictions, and said one day an elderly lady pulled her aside and said, Marilyn, it's evident that God's using you to teach. But she said, look here, teach the Word of God and live your convictions because sometimes they don't exactly match. There's convictions I have. See, I have this conviction, but I don't. you know I don't teach it, push it, preach it, I have this conviction that every child ought to be either in, in Christian school or homeschool. That's my, my personal conviction right there. But And the, our children were. But I've never got in the pulpit and said, you better put your children in a Christian school or you need to homeschool them. I won't do that because the Bible don't tell me that. It just tells me that I have the responsibility for my child's education and for them knowing God. Okay? Personally... I feel like Christian school or homeschool in a Christian format is the best. But people got to do what people got to do, okay? And that's, that's enough of that. Uh, sometimes they'll, they tend to be judgmental of other teachers, and I try not to be. They criticize good teaching because of technical flaws. Uh, I have to watch to be sure that I'm not... Uh, the one to make sure that every speaker crosses every T and dots every I. 
Sometimes a teacher will depend more on research than on the Holy Spirit to teach them things. And then another weakness is they tend to bore you with details. Y'all not bored yet, are you? Okay. They become proud of their knowledge. And that's something that I've worked on because I know that my knowledge is nothing. A Bible a professor that taught 45 years at Clark College at Newton, Mississippi, taught, taught Bible there. Clark College is a Baptist Bible school. They, he had retired, and he and some other ministers were starting a Bible institute at a church in the area there. And he came to my house to talk to me about uh, coming to that. And, I, man, I wanted to. That just, I needed something. And the group of people, uh, the little denomination we were in at that time, they didn't have nothing. And the only thing was a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but uh, it's got a lot of helps in the back of it. And, but anyhow, I'll get too far into that if I don't watch it. Uh, anyway, he came and talked to me, Dr. O.P. Moore. And he told me, how many years he had taught and churches he had pastored and all of these kind of things, you know. And uh, I said, Dr. Moore, you just, you must know so much. And he's looked at me and he said, Son, I feel like I've only touched the hem of his garment. And I thought, wow, I hadn't even got in the press yet. I mean, I'm still way on the outer skirts of the city. But after all of these years, I'm the same way. I feel like I hadn't even hardly touched the hem of his garment as far as the thankness. I'm not gonna I'm not going to boast on my knowledge. I'm just gonna share with you the word of God. They're usually detailed and organized and expect others to be. All right, now some characteristics of children with a teacher motivation. Uh, now again, all of these things we realize this is where we are. We have to be trained, encouraged, encouraged, encourage people uh, to do things and to, uh, you know, to step out in it. And so that's what we want to do regardless of what your motivational gift is. Uh, the server is encouraged when somebody says thank you. And uh, yesterday I heard a lawnmower going over here at church. I thought it was the people next door cutting their grass. And I finally got out of the house and looked. And his brother Mark over here cutting the grass and weed eating and everything. And uh, brother Mark, you don't mind me telling you about mind me telling him about the phone call? Okay, <laughs> I'll let him tell you. Anyway, children need to be encouraged. They study a lot and they read a lot. Uh, they show an early interest in book learning. This is ones with, that are developing and teach motivation. They're quieter than others and can usually entertain themselves for long periods of time. They're not necessarily gifted or brilliant children. They just have a thirst for knowledge and a, and a wide taste in reading. Uh, they tend to over-respond to school assignments, but if they're not interested in one, they may ignore it and fail it. Now, that's no excuse for you guys to say, well, I'm just not interested. Okay? Apply yourself. Do it anyway. Children with the teacher motivation, they're bored with small talk. 
Uh, they have a steadiness in their disposition and are not given easily to emotional highs and lows. If your child is up one day and down the next day, chances are they don't have this teacher motivation, okay? They tend to be faithful children. They're loyal and punctual. If they tell you they're going to be home at 11, they'll be home at 11. They're not good participants in sports, but that don't mean they don't participate. But they're good spectators. And uh, they, don't, they generally don't have a big desire for pets. Generally. Now, the Bible example I want to use is Paul. I heard, heard uh, uh, I believe it was Marilyn Hickey, she introduced this lesson when I was listening to her teach it. And she said, tonight we're going to talk about the preacher that got knocked off his high horse. And you know, that's what happened to Paul. He was on his horse, got knocked off, blinded. But anyway, it's evident from Paul's writings that he had this teacher motivation in it, the way he wrote, the things he did. Paul thought of himself as a teacher of teachers. Uh, he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he was concerned that Timothy would get humiliated. Timothy was a young man. And he was concerned that Timothy would get down and sort of like young preachers do sometimes and that he would not continue. But Paul told him this, and this goes for all of us. Here's the teacher speaking. Study to show yourself to prove a workman to God, rightly dividing the word of truth. So everybody needs to study. Don't just wait to come to church to hear uh, Brother David Carroll or Pastor Mark Carroll Proclaim the Word, or J.J., or Pat, or, or Brad, or whoever. Don't just wait for that. Don't just wait to turn on the TV and watch a TV preacher for a few minutes. Don't, don't study yourself. You need to study Bible. Uh, I, I, you know, I know you can get anything you want to on this now. But I think if you're going to be a serious student of the Word, you need one of these. So you can underline, write notes. Mark in it. There's nothing. There's not sacrilegious to mark in your Bible, okay? If it is, then the very first Bible I got condemned me to hell. I won't never make it. And I still got my very first Bible I had 50-something years ago. It needs to be rebound, but I still got it. Uh, he studied and he loved to read. Paul studied a lot. And he, he didn't, and you know, here's one thing. People say, oh, if you're a preacher, God will fill your mouth. Well, He will. But if you ain't got nothing in here to bring out, it's not going to happen. I've heard, I've heard preachers and teachers say, well, I, you know, Lord just, Lord, just give me my message just now, just so they got in the pulpit. Now, I've had that to happen sometimes. But let me tell you what I learned. When God changed my message just before I was getting in the pulpit or getting there, the other one I had was mine. It wasn't God's. I found out a long time ago that I can pray on Monday morning and ask God to give me what He wants me to preach on on Sunday because you know what? God knows who's going to be here this coming Sunday today. So a study, study, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul was precise in his writing to the point that he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And so many times he presented his writings in orderly manner. 
take 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, if you'll take that and read it and look at it, he told us what love is, love is not. He said, though I have the, the, though I can speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I'm nothing. Love is not being able to, to flatter people. Love is not acting like you've got a big faith. Love is not giving a bunch of stuff. He said, this love is not these things. And if you don't have love, these things are meaningless. And he told us what love is. Love is patient, kind, gentle, long-suffering. And he went on. And then he told us uh, how to really take hold of love. He said, you know, that we grow up. We were a child. We spake as a child. We thought as a child. We understood as a child. But when we became a man, we put away childish things. And then he says, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So a lot of his writings are that way. You read them, you look at it. And in 1 Thessalonians, there's some things that are just, I mean, boom, boom, boom. And you'll see that he was a teacher. And Paul felt deeply responsible to be sure the church was grounded in the Word of God. In Acts 20, 20, he said, How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul was concerned the church was grounded in the Word of God. That's been my main concern in these many years of ministry is that the church is grounded in the Word. And, and I'm not, this is not an accolade toward me what I'm fixing to say. All the glory for Victory Fellowship over these years and soon Sunday going to be celebrating 36 years, all the glory of it goes to God. But one thing that God has had in my heart is to be sure that we had the Word of God here at our church and it go forth as that. And it's still going forth as that. And I, I thank God for that, that we have that. So if you, on your evaluation, if you scored high in the area of teaching, then you need to be teaching somewhere. You probably already are and don't realize that's what you're doing. But you need to be teaching. Uh, there's classes here that needs to be that that people need to step up and be willing to teach in. Uh, I've, I've we've had people come here and leave and go somewhere else and do stuff, and because they wouldn't let us know. If you feel like you need to be doing something, let the pastor know. I promise you, he'll find some way to fit you in to where there's something for you to do. So remember that. Okay, we all have a gift, and we need to use it. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, exhortation, talking about being able to encourage. That's an encourager is what that is, an exhortation. And uh, then we're going to talk about giving, and we're going to talk about uh, mercy, uh, these, these different things that we're going to share and talk about. And if we have time left, then we'll, we may get into that unmotivational gift. Anybody have any question or comment? Anything you'd like to say?